Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. Fundamental to any government procurement project, we need to run these projects as business projects with a technology component and not the other way around. It very often happens that these kind of projects start with best intentions and then quickly become a discussion about bug counts and release fixes, and we've lost connection to the base of the project. So for procurement automation project, I'm going to say that that is grounding it in both business value and procurement transformation. For business value, how do we transcend just simply managing requisitions and the flow of work that tends to define an unautomated procurement environment? How do we stop simply being the policy police, but really build out that ability to be strategic partners to our lines of business, being able to be involved in source selection choices, planning, and really helping them make the best decisions? Equally, how do we act as a modern business partner for the supplier community? How can we be a destination of choice? How do we help level the playing field for large businesses and small businesses by giving them access to tools to be able to do their work, expanding opportunity. So having a good tool set so that they're able to find opportunity and compete is certainly a core part of that. Protector of public confidence. So we have to establish processes and controls that retain the public's confidence in our management of these processes. And that has to be centered to what procurement does for business value. For procurement transformation, it's about embedding our best practices into these systems. So the more that we can make our most convenient processes be the most compliant processes, then it reduces the chance of people who are well-meaning to accidentally make mistakes, make it so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel constantly, but that we know what the best processes are and that we embed them into the system. Maximize the value of our people. I had a chance to talk to a couple of folks in the process of building up this discussion. You know, one of the consistent comments I heard was about, does automation mean that we're getting rid of people? I actually argue it's the opposite. Automation allows us to take away the work that only requires your hands and give work to people that requires their hands and their brains. So it's about how to not just find that work for people, but improve the quality of what the work is. We only have so many people, so they shouldn't do things that technology can do for them. And then maximize the capability of the center. What does the center procurement office need to do that if it doesn't happen, it won't otherwise happen? So where is the spend management practice? Where is the contract management practice? Where is the policy development, the training? So if the center is doing things that the lines of business can do or that the externals can do, then it means that we're repeating tasks. Then let's move into talking about what choices are there to embed some of these processes. And the reality is there are a great deal of choices. So do we document our processes and try to fix them pre-automation? Do we try to go into our ERP and improve and make the best out of that tool? Do we go get e-procurement? If so, what does that word mean? And how do we tell the difference between options? I spend a lot of time all day long unpacking the concept of e-procurement and from dealing with clients, I can tell you that selection fatigue is a real thing. People get exhausted on trying to make a differentiation between choices. So let me present to you guys a thought process that we've been building out in terms of how to think through options and sequences. 
So if you were a carpenter and you came into a workshop that didn't have a workbench, then your first project would be to build the workbench. That project's very important, and it's mainly important because it lets us do other sophisticated work. Once we have the workbench in place, we may forget about it, but if we didn't have one, we wouldn't be able to continue to work. So the workbench in this analogy is transactional procurement automation. Public procurement by its very nature can be very overwhelmed by the tactics of the work. End users need this chair or that fleet vehicle or this case management system tomorrow. Vendors wanna know how to get onto a contract tomorrow. And so if we don't have a process to take and build a pipe around all of this flow of baseline work for procurement so that it can be designed, gated, and optimized, then the rest of the organization can get swept away. Transformational procurement automation as a thought concept is where we do the work that drives the deep strategic value and the lasting change. It's where we gain new insights, new capabilities, and new abilities to manage work. Sticking with the workbench analogy and then dropping in these concepts, I'm going to further overlay into this an introduction to where some of the market options live and how to sequence thought. So first, I would say that the baseline of any procurement automation has to be about automating that colloquialism of rec to check, that requisition to check. How do our people that are doing work in the mill every day initiate requisitions routed approved, associating it with a contract, creating a PO, encumbering the money, receiving, paying. That's a cycle that happens countless times every day in every one of these organizations. Requisitions don't inherently involve a sourcing event. You can execute and associate with a contract. If things do have a sourcing event, then that is now a whole thing that branches off. How do we create the sourcing event, post it, receive electronic responses, evaluate, award, create contracts, and then deal with vendor files, and then manage that relationship over time, that contract file over time, so that we're able to drive vendor performance. So that's, in my analogy, is that workbench. If we have this in place, then we don't even think about having it in place. We don't think about the workbench when we go to build the tools on the workbench. But if we don't have this, then it's very hard to do the more strategic work because our people are drowning in this part of the work. So when we think about transformational procurement automation, it's about strategic procurement enablement, really building those information layers that are going to build out the ability to be that strategic partner for business, to be that modern business partner. So life cycle planning. There's planning that happens at the front and the back of that rec to check process and in the middle, right? So how do we gate the things that require more specific management, like IT or fleets, where we may have specific strategies. Demand management, how do we make it so that when we have those, that they route to the right people, and where in the organization is it? Generally, in this layer, we really need to have role-based dashboarding. End users need to be able to log into a dashboard and see where their requests are to reduce those phone calls that happen every day in a non-automated environment. Where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? Buyers need to be able to log in and see their queue of work and be able to address their queue of work. Managers need to look at workload and be able to manage across. And then ultimately, really building out the whole data-driven decision-making through spend analysis, through establishing KPIs. So really, that whole layer of that work. Finally, a lot of the e-procurement tools talk about marketplaces and contract portfolio optimization. 
I feel like electronic marketplaces really are transformational because every time that I can take a contract file and make it into a catalog in that online shopping experience, that intuitive experience, it's self-service, it reduces phone calls, I can then support my local entities, I can allow other extended marketplaces like the Fisher Scientifics and the Grangers and Amazons of the world to be able to be in it, but I choose when. Also thinking about inventory replenishment so that we don't need to have phone calls every time that the air filters went out in the shop, but that there's a way that that automatically generates calls without a human being touching it. And then finally, AI has become a disruptor at almost every level of this model. I don't have time to talk about it in the confines I have here, but I'm happy to talk to you guys about that additionally. So in the last few minutes that I have, I want to talk about wherever you are in your stage or your priorities, you'll eventually need a vendor partner of some form. So I want to talk about some of my observations on how to align the interests so that you row as one. So when we help support solicitation events, we really emphasize building a shared responsibility matrix and making that part of the negotiation discussion. So there's high clarity what you're going to do and what they're going to do and how to do it together. Also, I suggest thinking about both service level agreements, which is a pretty common methodology, but then also employing service level credits, which means the vendor has a chance to earn back penalties. That has two really strong effects. One is it makes the buyer more likely to actually do the penalties because buyers don't actually like to establish penalties on somebody who's trying to work with them. And it means that the vendor is incented to try to drive because we don't really want their money, we want their performance. Secondly, on a lot of these projects, it's really important that it's not simply a handover to the vendor. You have responsibilities in these projects. And so really giving thought to how to lift your end of the barbell. The vendor has their responsibilities but are you going to have people that are project managers or change managers on your side? Are you going to deal with vendor onboarding? How do you deal with subject matter experts in your shop who are already busy to say, hey, I need you in a design session. Hey, I need you in this testing. Hey, I need you to do this. So really thinking about all of those factors and the way that technology will drive. Last major thought is just these projects get hard in the middle. I mentioned that projects evolve into bug counts and release notes as opposed to really why did we start and what are we trying to accomplish. So I suggest really making that benefit realization that you started with at the beginning, make that part of your reporting mechanism and keep it in the center. Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent.